Hi, we're sisters Amy and Nancy Harrington, the founders of the Passionistas Project podcast, where we give women a platform to tell their own unfiltered stories. On every episode, we discuss the unique ways in which each woman is following her passions, talk about how she defines success, and explore her path to breaking down the barriers that women too often face. Today, we're talking with Gwen Manto about the power of trailblazing. Gwen is the owner of Mixology, a collection of certified organic, low-calorie cocktail mixers. Gwen's business history can best be encapsulated by her favorite drink and one of Mixology's premier offerings, the Cosmopolitan, a working woman's cocktail of liberation and independence, always an advocate of great ideas and a great team. Gwen's keen consumer insight and business acumen led her from VP of Macy's department stores to stints as chief merchandising officer for several national chains. In 2017, she launched her passion project, Mixology, born of the desire to create all-time favorite cocktails with organic ingredients that taste amazing, are affordable, and easy to prepare. Mixology proved to be the perfect combination of Gwen's interests and insights. So please welcome Gwen Manto. What are you most passionate about? Um, I, I think I'm most passionate, honestly, about family and friends and connections and people. Um, today, I, I think uh, millennials and other folk call it community. You know, in our time, it was it was really our inner circle. And I, I think that's really what makes the world go round. And whether you're starting a business and you have colleagues that you call upon to help you or friends that support you or family that you love and, and, and make you feel, uh, you know, comfortable and, and uh, ready to go and take, be able to take a risk and all of that. I, I think that's what I'm most passionate about. And, you know, within that, a lot of that has to do with taking care of people and keeping them healthy and uh, that's one of the reasons that we actually created our drink mixes, because we felt like, you know, you could go to a restaurant and you could eat organic or you could eat gluten free or you could do all of those things. But, you know, you would get a cocktail and it had 40 grams of sugar in it and uh, that people really didn't hold their cocktails to the same level of of respect that they did the food that they ate. So really, our cocktails were really born of that. Of, of that idea. But again, to serve people and to be part of a community. Our our brand is interactive. Any of you that have gotten it, you, you know that uh, you make it yourself and you can create within within our brand or just have it, you know, straight up what we're doing. And, uh, you know, it, it makes for a great event or a fun time together, time to share Thanksgiving or any other family times. Yeah, no, that was great. And um, how did you come up with the initial idea? And what was the process of taking that from an idea to an actual product? Yeah, well, as you mentioned, I was a retailer for many years in the C-suite. And after that time, I, I actually became a consultant to the health and wellness industry. And as part of that, I had a group of clients and we created, I, my last sort of stint of business was in sporting goods. So I was a national expert and still am actually in athletic shoes and athletic apparel and, and all of those categories. But someone asked me, you know, could I help them make um, organic protein powder? And uh, because I eat organic myself and, and uh, I'm passionate about cooking and the things that I eat, I said, 
sure, you know, I can make golf clubs, I can make athletic shoes, I'm sure I can make protein powder. So I actually set forth to find the healthiest protein sources that I could find. And in that mission, I came across a factory that actually dried fruits and vegetables, organic fruits and vegetables with lights. And it kept 100% of the nutrient value and all of the color and all of the flavor. It was a unique factory and they had a wonderful woman who did product development with me. We actually created protein powders and green juice powders and everything for this company who's gone on to be quite successful. But as part of it in the evening after we did product development all day, we would take the ingredients and make ourselves cocktails. Mm-hmm. And uh, we said, okay, this is healthy because even though it's a cocktail, we're using great ingredients and, you know, organic vodka or, or, or whatever. And they were delicious. Um, and we said, this could be a business. And she actually was one of the initial partners in our business. And so we, we made some samples. We came back to New York City. We gathered together a big group of bartenders and, and they really helped us dial in the flavors. Um, to really make these classic cocktails authentic um, in this very unique format, which was this dried powder. Um, It allowed us to keep that delicious fruit flavor and only have to add a little bit of organic cane sugar. And, um, you know, that's how the product was born. It has less than 10 grams of sugar. It's, um, we actually dry the fruit powders with lights. Uh, We use wind power to power our factory. All of our ingredients are organic. All of our packaging is sustainable with the exception of our little pod. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, because we don't have any preservatives or anything like that in our product, it's quite susceptible to to, um, moisture. Mm -hmm. So the only moisture barrier so far that we found that protects the product is plastic. So um, actually you can recycle it, but it it um, it won't break down in quite the same way. We're always looking for an option um, to solve that problem, but everyone else, will come up with one at some point. <laughs> we hope, we hope, but all of our our packaging is uh, recycled and and is sustainable. So, I do love that. There's functionality beyond it just being a yeah. container too for the part of that. It's actually a shot. It is. It's uh, we call it the shot pod. And it becomes the measuring device for the cocktail, which is really fun. And uh, maybe we should make one. Yeah, let's make one. one. Let's make one when we talk. Um, We're going to have like, I'm going to make a couple holiday cocktails uh, today. Um, As you said earlier, I love a good Cosmo, but... Uh, actually, we're going to trick up this Cosmo. We call it the naughty or the nice. And and uh, part of that is dependent on how many you drink. And uh, <laughs> I always suggest that you drink responsibly. But if, if, you, um, if you're at home, maybe you can have a second one and then you might be naughty. But you start with your uh, shaker. And I just put ice in it. And then our little shot pod, this is a Cosmo. And you tear off the top of of the uh, shot pod, we mm-hmm. call it the shot pod, and you can see there's powder inside. It has a, a strong flavor of cranberry, and this um, actually the ingredients in this are lime and cranberry, and um, organic cane sugar, and then um, cranberry and lime oil. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cranberry and lime, all of the ingredients are sourced in the United States, except for the oils, and they're actually sourced in Italy, oh, wow. where they have really special uh, citrus products. So you actually pour the the powder in your shaker Mm -hmm. and then you measure 
one pod, your shaker pod of water. You pour that in your shaker. And tonight we're having this drink actually has vodka, much like a martini. Uh, the Naughty and Nice is a martini, one shot pod of vodka. And then what makes this really naughty is <laughs> we do a quick shot or splash of limoncello. Mm. So we're going to put this down and we're going to shake a little bit. What's really unique about cocktails is, you know, when there's foam on the top of the cocktail, yeah, that's like a special viscosity. And um, that's really created when you mix alcohol with a little bit of sugar. So originally we used um, sugar-free options, but it didn't taste like a real cocktail. It didn't enhance the fruit. And uh, we finally decided we use less sugar, but we'd use real sugar. We'd use organic cane sugar. And, um, and then we were able to get the flavor and the viscosity that we really wanted. So oh, that is beautiful. and nice. Beautiful. The color is gorgeous. We did our own demo of your, your wonderful product on another platform and we okay. did make them ourselves and did you? Um, <laughs> I couldn't I mean, resist. It's, it's I, I had too much. They're delicious. <laughs> and I don't drink. So I made virgin uh, version. Yeah, they're really good with virgin. And they're actually. delicious. I love we it. They're recently, not too sweet. Yeah. Just we right. And they don't. The other thing I love to point out is they don't taste powdery. Yeah. You know, yeah. so many drink mixers taste powdery, but this it doesn't taste powdery at all. It's so yummy. It, it dissolves, yeah. you know, yeah. it dissolves really well. You have to shake it well because you are reconstituting reconst fruit. Yeah. And uh, there are fruit specks in it. And, uh, you know, sometimes you'll see a little bit of sentiment, but that's really just the fruit. Mm -hmm. um, and just know that it was fresh fruit. And, you know, we are kind of proud because we can use ugly fruit if it's not pretty because right. we actually grind it. Mm -hmm. and then dry it, it doesn't matter. Um, so we, we're pretty eco-conscious in terms of, you know, the product that, that we use. Mm -hmm. It's got a long shelf life, about a year. So, you know, oftentimes like you'll make yourself a cocktail and you'll buy a, a liquid cocktail mix and you'll put it in your refrigerator, make a drink, put it in your refrigerator. And then three months later, you throw it away. Yeah. Right. With ours, it's on the shelf. You know, mm -hmm. the pods are there, mm -hmm. uh, makes a great gift. Uh, we do have recipe cards and, and um, we have recipes on our site as well. Mm -hmm. And what we love is, is a lot of our customers actually send us recipes of oh. things that they like. And the, the next drink I'm going to make, actually, someone sent this to us two years ago. And oh, cool. then we actually served it in the uh, Delta Sky Clubs uh, last Christmas. We were one of their featured drinks and we actually served this drink. We actually served this drink there. So we'll make that in a minute, but okay, you might have another question for, for me. About were you going to say that you um, recently did a bar mitzvah? We recently did a bat mitzvah and we actually used our Cosmo mix. Uh, this lady wanted to make a, uh, we had one of our bartenders work on a, uh, a cocktail that had no alcohol, you know, a mocktail. Mm -hmm. And uh, she actually made it with our Cosmo mix with Sprite. And she took it up with Sprite and she said it was absolutely delicious. And they ended up actually putting it in a fountain and uh, ran the fountain and uh, it, it was quite yummy. So it makes great mocktails and it's fun to do with kids as well yeah. um, because there's no alcohol at all in the product. They can open the pods themselves. You can actually also rim with it. It's uh, so you can get the, 
the rim of your cocktail glass uh, mm -hmm. wet and then dip oh. it down in, in it in our powder. And then you have a rimmer also for your cocktail That's if you cool. want to have something so special um, for the holiday for the holiday time period. I love so that. It's a versatile product. Yeah. You, thought of every, you thought of everything. You know, it's interesting because our customers do. They think of things and they, you know, tell us and show us how they use the product. And um, they post, you know, where they use it. Um, we've gotten posts on airplanes on the subway in New York City <laughs> on a hike, you know, using stream water. And uh, we we welcome all of that, you know, because it really is a, about the fact that it is interactive. It's healthy. It's interactive. It's fun and makes for a great party, especially a great girl party, you know, and uh, when we do, you know, when we do demonstrations, we oftentimes just put, you know, bottles of, of uh, spirits down the center of the table and then uh, big cocktail glasses of our pods and then invite people to create. And uh, I think that's half the fun, knowing that you're starting with the healthy base and then you can right. actually create something special um, that's yours, you know, yeah. personalized to you. We have this a question from our uh, one of our interns wanted to know. Do you have advice for someone who is younger and looking to um, start their own business? Yeah, I mean, I I think uh, oftentimes the best businesses that I know that people have started is where they found a problem and solved that problem, or something that's happened in their real life experience, and they say, "I really need a solution for for this, whatever has happened to me," and and um, and then they actually took advantage of a situation just like we did. You know, we were having a cocktail and we said, these are really good. They're a lot healthier. And guess what? The stuff we usually drink is junk. So, hey, it's worth a try. Let's go show some people and see what they think. And um, I think that uh, in the beginning, um, finding something that you're passionate about. I was always passionate about health. Um, and then combining it with an opportunity that you see in the marketplace really helps you create a business. Um, I find that people are the most passionate um, about products that, you know, they've created to solve one of a problem of their own. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think that's always good advice. And then I, I think it's super important. And, you know, we did this originally, we wanted a sugar-free product and we felt like women didn't want any calories. And, and um, you know, we, we started with that, but then we, we took great advice from our bartenders that said, this doesn't have the right viscosity. It doesn't have the right flavor. It has an aftertaste, mm -hmm. you know, uh, artificial sweeteners don't combine well with, with uh, spirits. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think it's seeking out advice of experts and then listening to that advice, you know, because you're passionate about something, you can go headstrong so fast into it and not be willing to listen. Mm -hmm. um, but um, this is really about asking the question, not to confirm what you think, you know, but to really listen and learn. And that's what we did because we really pivoted um, from where we originally were. So that's my advice. That's great. Um, what experience did, experiences did you have in from your earlier career that kind of have helped you the most in being an entrepreneur and starting a new product from scratch? I think there's two. The first is, is that I always was a merchant. And in merchandising, we always try to figure out what's next, not what is. It's kind of what is 
what is is now, but what will be is, you know, really frames up your success. So whether it is, you know, um, during COVID when everyone wore sneakers and sweatpants and how do they transition to the next clothing, what's it going to be or, or um, how they exercise during COVID. It's a good one. You know, you, I went to the gym before, but now I'm going to exercise at home. What does that involve? And all of that. So as a merchant, I always um, really lived in the what if and what should be and, and trying to interpret the trends and into what's going to happen next. Um, that was really good for me because as I, you know, started this business and got going, I thought, okay, I can solve all of these different problems, but you know, will consumers want it? And then if they want it, what do they want? And, uh, you know, what delivery system do they want to have? And one of the original things that happened was, is we found that millennials didn't have cocktail shakers. They had mm -hmm. protein bottle shakers, but they didn't have a cocktail shaker. So um, in some of our packaging, we include a, a small plastic shaker that they can use to make their cocktails, which converts and has a cocktail glass on the on the end of it so they could drink it on the go. Mm -hmm. So, you know, learning and, and solving problems. Um, the second is one that I mentioned earlier, and that is, is, is really partnering with friends and people and experts to, and I did that through my career. You know, oftentimes I didn't understand or know about a product, but I would seek out the knowledge to figure out if that was going to be right for the store I was merchandising in. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, you know, that knowledge of being able to partner with people to, to ask for help to um, lead people around you once you have the vision and the mission, um, I think is really critical. So those interpersonal relationships would be the second part that really helped me of not being afraid to call whoever it was um, when I had an issue or a problem. And, you know, it really came up and, you know, we got our first customer, we needed financing, it was major, and we needed to scale our product and, and we'd barely manufactured you know, a, a, a thousand pounds of it. And then all of a sudden we had to manufacture a ton of it. Um, you know, learning how to do that and asking questions and going to the next person. And because we have a, a organic supply chain, mm -hmm. it's really complicated because every step of our product has to be uh, manufactured in an organic way. Mm -hmm. So how it's stored and how it's manufactured, how it's packaged and all of that. So that made it more complex because if you take, hundred factories, there's probably three that are organic. Right. And, um, you know, there's a, obviously a premium to make product in, in that type of format. So um, listening to learn and partnering with people and, you know, being able to reach out and talk to different levels of people. I was, it was a benefit because I'd managed big teams of people in the past and I'd worked with um, other you know, with major companies and all of that. So I really didn't have a fear. I was really lucky to be able to call the bank and say, I need this to happen and, and not know that I was asking for something that was uh, maybe not, <laughs> not done or, or not reasonable, but I just um, assumed it could be done because I did it in big business before. Right. So, so I learned a lot along the way, but I didn't have any fear to, to go do it, you know, because of my background and experience. So I was lucky. Yeah. And now speaking of partnership, you told us that you, you work with your husband. So tell us a little bit about working with your husband. 
Yeah, I mean, we we just celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary and and um, he's a great guy. He was in sales for many years for uh, major apparel companies and actually still still does do some of that. But when we started the business, he it was the first time we'd ever worked together. Um, he was when I was a buyer at Macy's many, many years ago, he was my Levi salesman. He sold me jeans and then eventually he, you know, he stole my heart and, and, you know, the rest is history. We have three children and, and uh, we had never worked together. Mm-hmm. And uh, when, when I became a consultant um, after I left uh, retail, you know, we, we had we spent more time together because he always worked as really an independent representative for companies. So I'd never worked from home. I'd never, I'd always been in a corporate setting and all of that. And I think he really eased that um, change for me. I was used to having a big support system and, you know, executive assistants and all kinds of people helping. And all of a sudden I had to learn how to do things on my own. And, you know, it's embarrassing to admit it, but when I, when I left business, I didn't even send my own emails. I, I, was on the treadmill and I dictated what I wanted my email to say. <laughs> so all of a sudden I had to go, I went to Apple school. I went to the Apple store and signed up to figure out how to, you know, right. and, uh, it sounds crazy because it really wasn't that terribly long ago, you know, 2012 or, you know, that time period, but um, you know, based on where you are in your career, you, the, the needs are, you know, I could, I could, uh, I could actually text on my BlackBerry like mad, you know, when we had a BlackBerry and then that turned into, a, you know, a smartphone and all of that. But uh, I'm dating myself a little bit, um, you know, so there was a learning curve for me and he was really wonderful because he'd been independent. So he helped ease that. He was my IT department mm-hmm. um, in the beginning. And then uh, I got smart enough and now he asks me questions um, on, on how to get stuff done. But um, I think it's easy and it's hard. Mm-hmm. So it's easy because you really know the person. It's hard because you've never actually worked with that person. You know, you've been the support system for that person as opposed to the partner of that yeah. person in business. We found that we had different business styles. There was a period of time we shared an office. I'm extremely neat in my office and he's not. <laughs> and, uh, you know, every day I would say, are you going to clean up your desk? <laughs> <I'd> say no, <laughs> I've lived this long and I don't, I don't like put everything in nice and neat like you do when I leave at night. So, I mean, I, I began to respect his system and he respects mine and uh, it, it's been fun. Uh, it sometimes it's hard to turn off the business, you know, like you want to say at six or seven o'clock, you know, okay, let's don't talk about it anymore because we really need some downtime and we do find that time you know he's an avid golfer and we both cycle and we do other things and uh we find that time of parts as important as the time together to to really uh rejuvenate you know ourselves our relationship and so that we have other things to talk about especially when things are you know during covid things were really tough and so if we had dwelled on that all day long, we would say, okay, we're going to set the alarm. And even though we're at home and, you know, we're running this from home, we're going to set the alarm and we're not going to talk about it unless a customer calls us or we have to do something. So you really do have to define the boundaries of it, but it's been absolutely wonderful because I've learned things about him. I never knew. And uh, I, I think it's the same for me Yeah. No, So I'm the CEO and he's the president, which, you know, I think is um, very um, thoughtful on his part. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was 
it was my idea, but uh, he's incredibly supportive. And he, you know, he'll say to people, you know, my wife, she's the one that created it. You've got to talk to her. Um, and uh, so he's, he's really terrific. We have a question. People are commenting and what, uh, some people have um, tasted, you know, got the drink in their subscription box, um, got the, the product in their subscription box and they love it. They agree that it doesn't taste powdery. And um, mm -hmm. so we have a couple of questions. One is, is it online purchasing only or are you sold in stores as well? Um, we, we actually are still sold in stores, mostly boutique and small chains. We're not in big chains. We were in a, a big chain, but um, during COVID, we were deemed not critical and uh, we actually lost our shelf position there, but we have a very vibrant uh, Amazon business. You can buy it on mixology.com. Um, we sell through fair and abound and we do really well. And uh, we have small chains and individual retailers. And uh, so those are the best places to buy it. Now I'd, I'd, I would love to show you another drink. Yeah, we would love that. Yeah. Okay. This is the drink that we served in the Delta Sky Club. And it was actually created by one of our customers and we call it the Grinch. <laughs> green. <laughs> be disappointed if it's not green. Yeah. <laughs> Again, you start with the with our shaker with ice. This is our Cosmo mix. This is our number one skew in, in the company because it really is versatile. Mm -hmm. You can make all kinds of things with it. Um, you know, typically uh, it, we combine it. It's a margarita with tequila, but again, we're making a vodka drink. Um, we find that when we do a signature drink for a big party or for, um, you know, something like the Delta Sky Club, uh, that vodka is really better. It, it is sort of the universal clear liquor. And um, a lot of people have issues with tequila, um, headaches and, and whatnot. So um, we find vodka is not, is not that. So again, you pour your powder in. Again, you've got your shot pod, which, you know, is an amazing little thing. Now our margarita, we don't put any food coloring in it. And when you actually dry and you look at um, lime juice, it's not like bright green, it's kind of yellowish. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes we'll get a comment and someone will say, well, it's not bright green. Well, lime juice is really not bright green. So um, if you have a key lime pie, it's yellow. If you, um, if you see, so again, we're gonna go with a shot pod of vodka. And again, we are gonna do a splash of our limoncello again. Mm -hmm. And it's really a yummy, a yummy drink. This one is a great one to do in a punch bowl. Um, you can pour it in and then um, put uh, some club soda in it and it makes it kind of sparkly. Um, you can also put it over uh, lemon or, or lime sherbet. It makes a really good girl party punch for a shower. Uh -huh. so, so this is the Grinch. And the lady who created this one, her name is Marcella. And so if she's out there, and she sees this. Thanks, Marcella, because we've made thousands of them. <laughs> this is a question from someone in the uh, chat. Do you have a favorite of the pods and do you have a favorite drink to make out of your product? Our lemon sour. Uh, I love. Mm -hmm. it's, it's basically you can make a lemon drop martini, but what I love to make, and it's great for this time of night on the East Coast, 
when you want an after dinner drink, it makes an amazing amaretto sour. Mm. It's really delicious. And it's a great after dinner party kind of drink as well. It's pretty and um, uh, cause amaretto makes it, makes it pretty. And it's um, so that's my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, also the lemon sour, you can, you can actually shake it up with one pod of water mm-hmm. and then top it off with champagne and it makes a, a spritz, a lemon spritz and it's delicious as well. Um, if you want to make our cocktails in a bigger sort of format, yeah. what you can do is, is you can put it in a covered container, like a juice, sort of a container, and then you can put multiple pods and then go ahead and put the water in mm-hmm. and the alcohol if you want, and you can shake it up and then you can serve more cocktails at a time. And then all you do is pour that mixture over ice and it's easier to serve at a party or, or something like that. So there's a way to, um, you know, scale them up. Uh, so um, we, we do that, but what we find is people like to create more than anything. So a lot of times we just let them create, we put the pods out and put the liquor out and then they came, they come up with stuff and uh, yeah. So, so it's a, uh, it's a lot of fun. We're Amy and Nancy Harrington, and you're listening to the Passionistas Project podcast and our interview with Gwen Monto to shake up happy hour with her organically powered bartender approved cocktails. Visit mixology.com. Now here's more of our interview with Gwen. This is a sampling of each of the flavors. Yeah, all three. And uh, this is one of our most popular SKUs. Mm-hmm. We actually created this based on, you know, a request from people on Amazon mm-hmm. that said, we want to taste them. We want to taste them all before we decide what we want to buy. We, we ship a three pack, one of each. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, uh, you know, consumers would like to try and then have the one that they like the most. Um, mm-hmm. This is also a great gift. Yeah. Um, if you don't know what the person drinks and uh, oftentimes you can go online. Um, if we ship from mixology.com, we'll send you recipe cards with it. So you, you have some ideas with it um, on Amazon. We can't do that, but uh, we, we do that uh, on ours. Um, we try to send uh, special things uh, when you order on our site. Um, we, we, we find, and oftentimes you'll get a note or a coupon or something fun Um we it's still a personal business for us Mm -hmm. Um, it does have a human touch to it um it is a passion project right no we we love our product and we love our customers and um we love our community so we're happy to have all of you in our community oh you definitely have fans people Mm -hmm. absolutely Um, uh aaron's coffee corner corner wants to know how many different flavors are there and I would like to know, are you going to add more flavors as you go along? Really good question. Um, We actually, um, we're going to actually come out last year with two, we have two new flavors. We have a Moscow Mule and we have a um, Paloma, which is pink grapefruit. Mm -hmm. It's really good. Um, With COVID, things were difficult, so we didn't scale up. We really concentrated on trying to stay in stock and our most important SKUs. Um, Our uh, packaging is made in China. All of a sudden, it was almost nine months to get our packaging and became very complicated. So we tabled those. We're going to have those. Right now, we have the three flavors. We have the Cosmo, um, the uh, Margarita, and the Lemon Sour. And then uh, we'll have the two flavors in 2023, we hope. Hopefully, by you know fall of 2023 in time for the holidays is our plan, plan of attack. Um, because all of our fruit is U.S. fruit. 
Mm -hmm. um, we, there's usually typically a single harvest or to only two harvests. Mm -hmm. So again, we are, uh, we have to really plan carefully in advance because, you know, cranberries are only harvested one time a year. Um, they're dried, uh, but then we have to make sure that we can keep our supply chain secure, especially because they're organic yeah. and uh, there's a limited supply. So citrus fruits are a little bit easier, but we, we found, uh, you know, certainly the um, ginger in our Moscow mule is the only place that there's organic ginger in the United States is in Hawaii. And there's one harvest a year. So that's been it's somewhat complicated, um, you know, to, to get the supply chain going. But um, our three make probably 100 different cocktails. You can make lots of things with them. But we're really excited about the other two that are in front of us. Excellent. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, I have another question, Nan. You mind if I go for it? Um, you know, a lot of the women in our community are either um, kind of starting a second phase in their lives, they've been mothers or they've had a career and they're finally following their passion project. So they're older and they're, you know, on the, the precipice of maybe starting a business at a point in their lives where they're old, over 50 or over 60. Mm -hmm. um, we know that you started this later than life after having this long career. So do you have any advice for women who maybe afraid to start something because they feel like it's too late. It's never too late. I, I, you know, when we started this, I'm 68, we started the business in 2017, five years ago. So I was over 60 at the time when we started it. Um, there's obviously more financial risk because you have less time to work and replenish because in the beginning, you know, it really is your money. You know, you, it's you can't really get investors until your business is established. Mm -hmm. So probably the biggest risk is the financial risk, you know, based on your age. But if you're willing to take the risk, um, you know, certainly you bring to it a level of maturity. You bring to it a level of experience. Um, I don't want to say that we're shop worn, but we're we're certainly tested. You know, at that point, and we have had trials and tribulations in our lives that we've gotten past. Um, we tend to be less reactionary and really calmer. And those of us that are moms and, you know, that have long term relationships and everything, we can manage people, we understand people. Um, so, you know, there's some risks involved. And, and then, you know, there's the energy thing. You know, when you have a 12 hour day or a 14 hour day, I mean, I've known younger people that couldn't handle that. And, you know, certainly when we're, when we have a six day or seven day, or we're on a trade show floor for five days in a row, I'm tired. You know, I, I have to admit it and I'm pretty fit. And uh, so I think anybody would be, but, but definitely that is, that's an issue. But if you have the passion um, and you have the experience, I, I think it's great. And one thing about our company, our two of our original partners were younger. They were in their 30s. And it was a, a really great mix of people. We were really multi-generational. And some of the things that we brought, my husband and I, to the party were very different from what they brought to the party. You know, they had a different way of thinking about things and, you know, were educated differently than we were. And, and uh, you know, that's always beneficial, too, as you, you sort of widen the net and your company grows to get people not just like you, 
but to get people that are diverse and and that can bring something else to the equation. So, um, you know, the risk, you have a lot more experience, got a lot more experience in business with people, with things that you care about. Um, You know, the quality of your business is really partially the quality of your experience, I think, for sure. But if you find a space, and this to me is the most important thing, if you find a space in something that you think is missing or something that you think is exciting, or you tell your friend and they say, well, I need that, or I wish I had that or whatever. And, you know, listen to those instincts. And um, that's one thing that's, that has served me well, and both on the positive and negative side, you know, when I listen to things and I, I would listen to learn. And um, sometimes uh, they were negative things. You know, somebody would say something, I'd say, oh, I don't, you know, that's not really what I think. I'm not going to listen to that. And, you know, sometimes I should have, you know, sure. so um, I, I think, you know, part of it is keeping your eyes and your ears and your mind open uh, to continuing to learn. You know, they say that uh, as we age, then all of a sudden our, you know, if, if you don't engage your brain, then it stops working and all of that. But I will tell you, my brain's working on overtime all the time. So, so if it helps for that, then I think that's a good thing too. Um, I think that, uh, you're as young as you, as you feel. Yeah. And, you know, we sell to young people, we sell to older people, you know, we, we tend to capture the imagination of a lot of different people because it's creative. And, uh, I think this new generation is even healthier than our generation. Mm -hmm. And I think it's wonderful. And they hold, you know, their food sources to much higher standards. They want to know where it came from, how it was farmed, how it got to you, how it was treated and all of that. And I think that's a great learning for those that are older, where we were accepting of whatever, you know, Campbell's or, or Kellogg or whatever put in front of us. And, um, you know, today people read labels and, you know, all of a sudden the labels on the back of the label, now it has to be bigger so that people like me can read it without their glasses. And, (laughs) and uh, I think it's, (laughs) it's important. Um, I think people really hold their food to a different standard and, and and their whole lives, you know, the investment in their lives. So I um, have lived a great career and great life. You know, I feel very fortunate, just like everybody else we've had our crises and tragedies and disappointments. But, um, you know, we, it's probably my greatest advice in business. And I counsel and, and uh, mentor a lot of women. And I just tell them always face forward. You know, you can't really look backwards. You've got to face forward and figure out how to make tomorrow the best that it can be. And, um, you know, that's what we have to do in this life. We learn from our mistakes and, and we learn from, uh, the things that we did well, and, you know, we incorporate that in, into tomorrow. And I have two daughters and, uh, I, I had one that, um, went, was very, very smart. And she went to college on a scholarship and got into law school and failed out of law school, um, in one semester, she just didn't think like the law and she was super smart and she came home and she said, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I said, well, let's make a life plan. And I said, you know, on one column, you just put all the things that you love, the other column, all the companies that you admire and the other column, you know, uh, all of the places you would like to live and whatever. And I said, then see where the intersections are. 
I was making it up as I went because it was my daughter and my heart was breaking. You know, she was like the super smart one and, you know, she'd failed. And uh, so the other day she is, she's just actually graduating with a, her second master's and um, she's a really smart lady and she has clients. She's in addiction counseling. So I'm really proud of her. And she said, yeah, I had this client in the other day. And she said, I told him we're, we're going to make a life plan. Oh. <laughs> and uh, she said, you need on one column to do this and one column. <laughs> she, said, she said, mom, I, I, I used your example because it helped me on that day. On that day, I pushed back and I said, all I want you to do is kiss my boo-boos. I don't want a, a life plan. I want you to help, you know, tell me everything's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think it's, it's funny. The stuff sinks in you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, you know, I tell people, um, sometimes your passion comes in the intersections too, mm-hmm. you know, and you have to continuously keep moving and, and go forward. And, you know, that's the best we can do as, as women, as, you know, entrepreneurs, you know, as moms, you know, whatever wives, the whole thing. So. Wow. That's beautiful. It is beautiful. Oh, if you need a life plan, I know. I'm, I love that's that. really great advice. Huh? What would I put in those columns? I know. Exactly. That's great. That's you great. you got a piece of advice that I thought was really great, and it kind of ties into what you were just talking about. Um, we read an interview with you where you were talking about the fact that you were in the corporate world. You were often the only woman, as we hear a lot. Um, and you were trying to fit in, but someone gave you advice about being your authentic self. Yeah, I mean, I was a chief merchandising officer in a big sporting goods company. And uh, in four levels of management, I was a, I was an executive vice president. So I was right up there. There were top five people in the company. And the people that reported to me were all male. And all the people that reported to them were all male. Um, and you know, I, it was sporting goods and I, I was not really passionate about sports. You know, I had been the president of a footlocker division, so I understood sports, but really mine was about women's sports and kids sports. And so all of a sudden I was thrown into really this realm of all men's sports and one of the biggest in the United States. And so every, you know, Sunday I would like study up on all the sports scores for the weekend. And I was like, okay, I have to know everything that everybody around this table, because we had an executive meeting every Monday morning to discuss the business. And the first like 10, 15 minutes, they'd say, oh, how about those Steelers? Oh, how about those whatever? And I was like, hmm, okay, well, you know, this is my business and I learned how to merchandise it. So I learned about fishing equipment and I learned about firearms and I learned about, you know, boating and golf and all those things. And technically I could create all that product and I knew how much we needed, but I didn't really do the sport. Mm -hmm. And um, so I would weigh in. So I'd study up just like we women do, you know, we, we kill it with effort and uh, you know, because we want to belong and fit in and all of that. And um, so I would make a comment, you know, they'd say, well, the Steeler," and I'd say, well, that last touchdown, you know, whatever. And, and, uh, after one of the meetings, the CEO pulled me to the side and he said, um, you really shouldn't do that. And I said, yeah, I'm tr- trying really hard to fit in here. You know, I, I don't really have a lot in common with these guys, you know, and, and he said, but it's not authentic. It's not authentic for you. 
And uh, at that time, that was just like a complete and total release for me mm-hmm. because I knew that um, I, I really didn't have to do that. They didn't expect me to do it. And guess what? They didn't really want me to do it either. They didn't really know how to deal with that. You know, yeah. so if I was just very quiet and did my job and did it really well, that was going to be a heck of a lot better than trying to live in their world. And it kind of releases you to to try and be one of them. I just tried to be me. And what I brought to the equation was unique because I had a particular skill in merchandising and had been incredibly successful. And I'd gotten to this sporting goods company because Nike had recommended me for my time and and to this big company that had no women. And um, they took a chance on me and, and uh, I was really fortunate and had a great career there and all of that. But he was very wise in saying that to me. And it made all the sense in the world um, that if you truly live your authentic self and don't try to be somebody that you're not, that's going to be a lot better. And God knows if you know more of the scores than the guys do, then it scares the hell out of them. So (laughs) So you don't want to threaten them at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So it's a true story. I think I I, I forget when I I was interviewed for something for that. And somebody asked me that question. Yeah. It's a really interesting story. Yeah. Yeah. It's really great. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, you also went into labor in a meeting and Mm-hmm. did not leave the meeting right away, right? Can you tell us about <laughs> that? <laughs> Again, I mean, I was, then I worked for a department store and I was a executive and there were women there, but there were no women that got pregnant, you know? And I, um, my last baby, I, I got pregnant at 40. So I was 40 years old and gonna have this baby. And, and I was... <sighs> I, for whatever reason, it, it was not a pretty pregnancy. I kind of looked like a Teletubby. And mm-hmm. in those days, we had to wear business suits. This was before you could even wear pants to work. So I wore pantyhose and a, and a skirt suit every day and heels and, and everything. And I was in, it was the board meeting. And, you know, we had to make big presentations and everything. And um, I, the CEO of the corporation was there. We were presenting to him and he And my boss, who was CEO of the company said, you know, Gwen is expecting a baby. He said, obviously. (laughs) So, (laughs) and these were the days where they just said whatever, you know, so I thought I can take acceptance, exception to that or whatever, but I was sitting there and all of a sudden, I don't know if for those of you that have had a baby, it's like the first part of it is kind of like, what is that? Is that like, you know, and I thought maybe I was in labor before and I'd call the doctor and he said, Oh yeah, no. He said, call me when you, if you feel like you've slammed your, your hand in the car door and you can't get it out. I was like, Oh my God. You know, <laughs> so as I sat there, I got this weird feeling and all of a sudden, you know, my water didn't break, but you know, you get the contractions in your stomach, you know, it, it uh, basically is contracting. It's hard. And then it's, and then the pain comes and everything. And I'm like, <sighs> trying to, trying to breathe. And, and I literally made it through the meeting because there was not a great appreciation for the fact that I was on this executive team and I was pregnant. Yeah. It just wasn't done. And there was no such thing as a lactation room. And, right. you know, I would pump in the last stall in the bathroom and, you know, there just wasn't any privacy and women today, really, I, I would say that, you know, we've made progress and, trying to be kinder and understanding and 
and all of that. So, um, yeah, so I was in labor and then I called my husband and said, you'll have to come pick me up. <laughs> so <laughs> we went to the hospital and we had a baby at nine o'clock that night. It was like uh, two in the afternoon. So I've been in labor for a little, little while, but uh, in the beginning, you know, you can, you're okay for, for a little bit of the time. Yeah. Oh, you're amazing. Well, well you're no. a true rock star. <laughs> you really are. That was kind of what it was expected. I mean, when I got to yeah. Foot Locker, they literally didn't have a ladies' room on my floor because they converted them all to men's room. And the poor executive assistants were the only other women in in the ranks at that level. They had to go down a level to go to the bathroom, and I I finally said, okay, we need a bathroom on our level. Yeah. You know, and they thought they thought I was a rock star because we got the ladies room on on that floor and whatever. And I work for, with wonderful, wonderful people in, mm -hmm. in those places. I've worked oh, yeah. with absolutely wonderful men and women in my career that it um, really was just a different, different time and a different mindset. And, you know, yeah. I often tell women, you know, now I'll I'll talk to male executives and they will say sometimes. I don't want to be in a room by myself with a woman because I don't know what they'll say, you know, after we leave the room or whatever. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that, you know, I tell my daughters who are the only people that I'm really allowed to tell things to, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I just say, if, if a guy says to you, nice shoes, that's not a sexual comment. He likes your shoes. Come on. Right. You know, we have to, we have to temper and really make sure that, we're appropriate in business and that we don't take offense to everything because yeah. we don't want to be set back by the fact that now we can no longer have a conversation that's casual. Right. Yeah. And I understand that that's not the case for a lot of people who get pushed into a corner and, you know, feel uh, victimized and all of that. But, you know, certainly some of the things uh, I think are innocent, just dumb man stuff. You know, they sometimes don't know quite what to to say or or or, or do or whatever. But uh, it was a different time, and I was on the board of a company, and somebody I I was presenting to the board in the board meeting, and and the man said to me, he said, "You're such a pretty little thing, um, you shouldn't have to worry about those things." And I was like, "Well, I'm in charge of this function of the business." <laughs> My husband said, "Well, did you take his head off?" And I said, "No." I said, "Thank you." <laughs> because <laughs> it wouldn't serve any purpose you know right. yeah <laughs> so you know it's it, it is you know part of understanding who your audience is I think sometimes and know. I think the ultimate intent that was my always my thing when I worked in more of a man dom, male dominated setting was like mm -hmm. this guy doesn't mean it that way he really thinks he's saying some compliment yeah you know and so i can i can take that if it's if it's meant to make me feel small or yeah or less than then we have a problem and then we're gonna have to have a conversation but if it's if it's someone truly just it's their instinct to hold the door open as we walk into a restaurant yeah, thank you very much thank yeah, you very I'm much i'll get it for you next time you know right. um so yeah I, I think there's a certain certain amount of it that it's a new world. And I think yeah. that this, I mean, COVID has really changed things, you know, working from home and then all of a sudden going back to offices. I was in New York a couple of weeks ago and was in some business meetings. And um, I, I just find that business etiquette, because people haven't been doing it, all, all of a sudden the etiquette of it is missing. 
Mm-hmm. You know, people are trying to find their way back into this working world and office setting. And what do I wear? What do I do? What's the appropriate behavior with COVID and all the other things? And, and um, you know, it's weird. It's kind of weird. So navigating and trying to figure it out, I think, is complicated. Yeah. It's a, it's a different time and, you know, that we're living in. I have a friend in New York and that I, I visited with when I was there. And she said, uh, just don't be shocked with service. And I said, what do you mean? And uh, she said, it's just impossible to get people in New York. So service is very slow or less professional and you got to be patient. And, you know, you're used to eating in these finest restaurants with the finest servers and all of that. And they don't have enough people, yeah. you know, the, first course comes before the drinks or the whatever, because they only have one bartender. I mean, I think patience in this new world is a, is a real virtue because I think that, you know, labor, whether you're in a store or you're in a, you know, a buying office when we visit, you know, people or they just don't have enough people. Yeah. And uh, the world is not operating at the same efficiency level. And I think tolerance becomes a, a huge, a huge, a huge thing. Yeah. Tolerance and gratitude, just being grateful that we're back and we're out doing those things again. If we have to wait a little longer for them, at least we can do them. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. One last question from our amazing intern, Sade, who, who, helped us write some questions tonight because we um she's part of her and she's a journalist um intern journalism intern and so we asked her to write questions and I love this question so her question is how has mixology shifted you as a person what what changes do you see in yourself having started this company yeah I mean I I spent my time I started as a salesperson at Macy's and left the retail business as a you know, executive VP of a business. At one point in time, I was the president and CEO of another company. I worked my way up. And, uh, you know, along the way, you you get to a certain level and then, uh, you know, you have a lot of support system to do things. And, uh, you know, as the business world changes and evolves, and I mean, when we first, when I was first in in Macy's, we had a mainframe computer that took up the entire second floor of the the office building. It was huge. Um, you know, now there's more power in my smartphone than there was in that entire room. But, you know, when you're living it, you're, you're, you don't really see the speed of it and you have a support system around you. So you don't really have to learn to do it all because you have people that, that help you. And, and probably the thing that I learned in mixology was in the beginning, I sent the invoices in the beginning. I helped ship the product. I shipped all of our e-commerce. I, you know, I, I did all the outreach to our accounts. Um, I was on the trade show floor. I made a thousand cocktails a day. Um, I learned how to do all those things. So whether it was to pack a box, whether it was to be in the factory for the first production to make sure that the product went well, whether it was testing and, you know, in the beginning, I mean, you get a brutal kind of feedback. So you're, you're not only are you doing all those things, but you're very humbled by it. So probably what mixology taught me was to take me back to my roots. What the day, the days of being on the sales floor and, you know, my first buying job was Playtex bras and, and, um, you know, they came in boxes and they were some huge sizes and little sizes and everything. And, and, um, you know, I, I was willing to do anything to get to the next level. 
you know, that was the seventies and, you know, women were just entering the workforce and, and uh, all of that. Uh, I feel like I kind of went back to my roots. You know, I could create the product. I could talk to a journalist. I could go in the factory. I could help pack it when we had a big order. Um, I shipped the e-commerce. I took customer comments. Uh, I wrote the invoices. I negotiated with the banks. I tried to figure out how to pay all the bills. Um, some days that wasn't that easy. Um, and I, I think it's a humbling experience. So it gets you back to your roots and you figure out that you can do a lot of things that you didn't really know you could do. And, you know, people say that, you know, we, we have stores, we women have stores in ourselves that, you know, we can tap into when we need to, but honestly, that was, it was a big reach, you know, for me, because I'd had these huge support systems yeah. in the past. And, um, you know, and also too a soft landing, if something happened in business, when you're with a big company, there's a soft landing. Um, but when it's your business, there's not a soft landing. It's you're right down there and smack dab in the middle of it and trying to make it work out. And it, it is quite humbling, but it also is, it was a, a good way for me to transition mm -hmm. and uh, to this part of my life because I figured I could do anything. I, I now know I can do anything, right. you know, because I feel like I have, you know, and uh, lots of things that I never knew how to do. And I have an even greater appreciation for all the people that did them because they're not that easy, you know, and I always thought I had a hard job running things, but it's, it's a lot harder doing things than running things for sure. That's amazing. Thank you so much. We have kept you much, yeah, much, you much longer than we told you we would, and we appreciate it. We're um, honored that you took the time with us. Yes. Lots of fun for me. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Passionistas Project podcast and our interview with Gwen Monto. To shake up happy hour with her organically powered bartender approved cocktails, visit mixology.com. And be sure to visit thepassionistasproject.com to sign up for our mailing list Find all the ways you can follow us on social media and join our worldwide community of women working together to level the playing field for us all. We'll be back next week with another passionista who is defining success on her own terms and breaking down the barriers for herself and women everywhere. Until then, stay well and stay passionate.